0: Hello and welcome to the James Sheets podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. Playing
1: hey, anyway, so I might as well quit early. Yeah. Just what? Get louder. I don't know if that'll help it. Beginning in the 16th chapter of Acts in the 16th verse. <clears throat> Acts 16, 16. And it came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by saying. The same followed Paul and us and cried saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God which show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. And when her master saw that the hope of their gain was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers and brought them to the master saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. When they had laid uh, laid many stripes on them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, receiving such charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for each one who has come this evening to share in this in this service. We thank you for the music that we've heard and for our spatial singing and for Delbert's leading in, in the devotional. We pray that you would bless us now, that our hearts and minds might be filled with the power of your spirit as we fellowship together. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Paul has gone to the city of Philippi, which is a new city to him, strange community. He hadn't been there before, evidently. And there was no church. There was no synagogue. It took ten Jewish men to live in a community in order to have a synagogue. And if you didn't have ten Jewish men, you didn't have a synagogue. So there was no synagogue. So there was no place for Paul and the others with him to go to worship on the day of worship. But they had heard that there was a group of women who met down along the seashore. So they went down, Paul and those with him and met with this group of women that were there, and they invited him to preach and he preached. And one of those people that responded to the invitation that day was a lady by the name of Lydia, a very wealthy individual who had made her her wealth through the selling of a purple dye. A seller of purple, she's called in the scripture. Paul then and the others stayed at her invitation, her house, and ministered from there. And as Paul made his way around the city, there was a young girl who was a slave of a group of men that engaged in all kinds of sorcery and fortune-telling, began to follow Paul and the others, wherever they went and made a nuisance of herself and went on saying uh, things about these men that they are servants of the Most High God. The fact that they stated was true. The manner in which she was stating it was designed to cast doubt in the minds of anybody that these could possibly be men being sent here by God. You can say the truth and do it in such a manner that it appears to be the uh, uh, false, or it appears to infer something different than what your words are. It's all on the inflection of the voice and the way that it's said, the tone, the facial expressions, the, uh, the attitude that was given, and this girl was making a mockery of Paul, making a mockery of the gospel that they preached, and was becoming very grievous. Now, the thing that Paul did was turn around on uh, after a few days and say to the girl, I say in the name of Jesus, come out of her, and a devil came out. And the girl became sane. She quit her prophesying and ridiculing. She no longer could tell fortunes and all these things. She was in her right mind. She was a slave. But Paul did not deal with the issue of slavery. He went directly to the heart of the matter. He went to the need of her soul. Now, I'm going to say a few things that I know probably are controversial in some circles. I don't know if you will agree or disagree with me. But there are some groups and some churches who are so bent upon what I'm going to term the social gospel that is solving the problems of people that they fail to deal with the real issue and that is the problem of sin and the soul. Now I'm not discouraging or discounting the fact that we need to do many things in, in, in the culture aspects, in society. We need to feed the poor. We need to clothe those that have no clothing. We need to take care of the mental needs of those who are mentally deranged. We need to do all those things, and our missionaries face those continually. We support many hospitals and doctors. We support orphanages all over the world. We uh, have leper colonies that we as, as Christian people support. We teach people to read. We deal with them when it comes to sanitation, how to properly take care of food and look after their sanitary needs. We teach them how to to properly conduct their their farms, to fertilize and to uh, irrigate. We do dig wells for people who do not have wells. We do all these things that makes their life better. But we must never lose sight of the fact that our primary objective is to win the soul. And when our primary objective has been met, when people are right with God, then people will be right with people. Now when there is a problem with people or between people, when one individual has a conflict with another, when one group has conflict with another, or one nation has conflict with another, when that person or that group has settled the problem that they have with God, there won't be problems with people to the degree that we have them. Now, it, it ought to be possible for people to, who love God to love each other. And I think you will discover before very long when you deal with this issue but if there is a person who does not love his fellow man, there is a real serious question as to whether he loves God. Or to say it another way, if one does not love his fellow man based upon the scripture, how can he love God? And you remember reading that on more than one occasion. So our our needs in our world is first of all and primarily the function of bringing people to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. That's our primary function. Get right with God and then we will be right with men. All right. Let's go on. I'm going to, I, I guarantee you I will cut it short. Now there are some social benefits from being a Christian. There are some real side benefits. The gospel itself is, uh, is not Social. The gospel goes to the root of the problem which is sin. And our primary function is to go to that same root. As a point of caution, and the scripture speaks to this as well, we are not to say to somebody uh, who is in physical need, uh, who has difficulties, I'm not concerned about those things, I just want to know about your soul. We can get to the soul through feeding people, through dealing with their problems, through listening to them, through visiting with them, through trying to take care of some of the things that that they have that are wrong. We can get to their soul, but our object is to get to the soul, regardless of what it might take. Sometimes we in the church do not seem to know this. Okay. This girl is demon-possessed. The scripture says that she had a spirit of divination. divination. That is, that she is under the control of a demon. What was she doing? She was making her master's money by reading palms. And you see all those lines in your palm, according to the palm readers, are supposed to say some things. And I'm not going to ask you to answer this, but have any of you ever been to a palm reader? to get your fortune told, to tell about your life. You know, you find them at the fairs and the carnivals, and uh, you can go down the streets. I can remember in Beckley that I used to drive by a a madam so-and-so who was a palm reader. She had her sign out front, come in and have your palm read uh, so that you can know your future. There are those that do it. There are fortune tellers who can tell you lots of things about yourself. Now, do not be mistaken. These people can be pretty accurate. And do you know how they're so accurate? They are so controlled by the devil that the devil tells them what to say, just like we're controlled by the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit tells us what to say. We're controlled either by the devil or by Christ, but not both. If the devil is in our life, the Lord is not there. There is nothing that I can see in the Scripture anywhere it tells us that we ought to go to the Sunday horoscope to find out what we ought to do tomorrow morning. But this kind of, of person is in our communities, and uh, this girl was so controlled by the devil that she was sitting around on little booths, asking people to come in to have their fortunes told. And she was prophesying and predicting things and making money as a result for the, her masters. She was under the control of Satan, of course. There's a difference between magic and a miracle. God performs miracles. The devil performs magic. We have a difficult time sometimes distinguishing between the two. So here this girl comes. Her cry was accurate. She says, these men are servants of the Most High God. That was exactly true. But the way she did it cast plenty of doubt into the minds of people who were listening to them. Many people say the, same, the right things, but for the wrong reason. And this was this girl. There are preachers, I believe you can hear a few of them on television. I believe that you can hear a few of them in our churches. I think there's one or two of them in Charleston. I don't know how much closer than that we can get. Who are silver-tongued orators? Who are there preaching for money. And that's all. Who are there to line their own coffers and they lure people into their trap. I believe Jim Jones, the guy who took that group of people and uh, had them all commit suicide at his command, you remember that a few years back, was exactly one of these who was a servant of the devil. What he was saying, what he preached was beautiful. And Satan can put a man in any pulpit and cause him to preach the gospel, and it will sound great, but his motive somewhere along the line will be to snare and to entrap and get people to start following the man instead of the Savior. And whenever there is a man who calls a following, and people are following him more than anybody else, you can begin to question whether or not they are of God or they are of the devil. Jim Jones, in my opinion, and that's all it is, was one of those who was a a wolf in sheep's clothing, And he did more damage than had he never preached the first day. And here this girl was going around uh, getting people to listen to her. And the way she did it, it was causing doubts to be cast into the mind of people as to whether or not the church was really what it was proposed to be. So Paul turns around to her and says, In the name of Jesus, I command you to come out of her. Now, this power is no longer available for people. That power ceased with the disciples, with the apostles, I should say. God can cast out demons, but there is no man that can order that casting out. Now, get this straight. I don't care who says what on television. There is not a single man that can command a devil to come out of anybody. If God wants them out God will do it and God might use a man to accomplish it but we have people who believe they have the power of casting out devils and it can't be done. There is nothing in the scripture that would indicate that that's possible beyond the time of the apostles. That was a special gift given to the apostles and was never passed on beyond that time. Never. Nothing in the scripture that would indicate. Now All of a sudden, the girl has no demon in her, and so she is sane. She's not possessed. She can no longer tell fortunes. She can't prophesy the future. There's nothing that she can say or do that is gaining anybody any money. And people begin to realize that she can't do anything anymore like she was. And so the men who owned her were losing their business. I want to suggest that there are some businesses in this world that ought to go out of business. And we would certainly talk in terms of those businesses that deal in vice, deal in lust, deal in drugs, in pornography and alcohol, those things that would ruin one's health, those things that destroy homes and spread disease. And we probably could go on with the list, but that's sufficient. Those ought to go out of business, but you know they're not going to go out of business. We're not going to put vice out of business. We're not going to put alcohol out of business. Our state will always be in the alcohol business because it's a money maker. We tie too many dollars to these things. Pornography and drugs are the greatest businesses in the United States. And it's because people desire. To have these things, somebody is going to provide it, and we're not going to stamp them out because the problems go too deep into our culture, too deep into our political system, and before you know it, there's somebody that uh, is in a position of authority, of responsibility that we can discover that is dealing in these things because it's profitable, The church is not going to stamp it out by going out on the streets and trying to deal with it there. We need to be teaching our kids, our young people, the problems and the dangers of these things and instill it in them from their grassroots so that they will not be overcome with these things. We need to oppose them in society and in the political scene, but I'm saying we need to do everything we can to stamp out the businesses that engage in all of those ungodly things. But we won't do it until the church people believe that it is God to be served and these things are to be put out of our lives because there are too many church people engaged in these things across our country. You would round up everybody who takes drugs in Boone County, you would find some people coming out of churches if you wound up with everybody who drinks alcohol, who enjoys pornography, who does all of these things, you would find them coming out of churches. I used to be the pastor of a church when when the wife of one of my deacons was a drug addict. And I discovered accidentally that one of the other women in the church was the one who gave her the shots because she was too squeamish to give it herself. It was in the church. I can take you to a Methodist church when they had to sober up the Sunday school teacher of the men's class in order that he would be sober enough to teach the class on Sunday morning because he got drunk every Saturday night. And I can name names because I know these people of whom I am speaking. I'm not saying that we are free of of all of these things in, in our society Or even in the church. But I'm saying that we need to do something to keep our youngsters from being continually exposed to these things that will destroy their lives. Well, I'm going to quit because you're hot. And it's been a long, hot day and everybody's tired. things that Paul did here are important for us to see one he was very patient until it became a point in his life which he could no longer tolerate it because it was interfering with his preaching the gospel he commanded the demon to come out of the girl and she came out and the demon came out and she was sane and the business that they were engaged in was destroyed This ought to be the purpose of the church, is to reach to the root of the problem, which is the person's lack of knowing God. When we have solved that problem, we have put ourselves on good feet to accomplish the cultural and the social difficulties that we face. But there's not much point in worrying about the drug problem in the schools unless we in the church recognize and believe that there is a deeper problem and it's in the soul. There isn't much point in worrying about the pornography in the stores in Charleston until we recognize that the root of the problem is the blackness of the soul of the people who run the shops. There isn't any point in worrying about the taverns that we have dotted all over the country, who invite people in to drink alcohol, until we are aware that the real thing we need to do is stamp out the sin and the souls of the people who run them. There won't be any Christian person running a bar. You won't be there. can't be. It's a contradiction in terms. There won't be a person running a house of ill repute who is a Christian. We need to deal with the sins of the people. When we have dealt with the sins, we'll deal with the cultural and social problems that surround them.
0: Let's pray.